0: Hello, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of Tourism Marketing Mastery. I'm your host, Eric Hattersheit, and in today's episode, we're going to be covering the three new major trends that are happening in marketing and how you can adapt. Hey, my name is Eric Hattersheit, and I'm part of a group of independent tourism operators that you've probably never heard of. We deliver experiences that are beyond a photo shoot. When they're not, we actually have to change our guests' lives, but... Because we don't have unlimited budgets like the big brands, we have to think differently. We have to be clever with our marketing. We need to reach our audiences to make the impact, but we also need to be profitable right from the start. Unfortunately, traditional education is about 20 years behind and they aren't teaching us what we need to know. So we've decided to take matters into our own hands. We're sharing marketing tactics that work today because we are experienced masters and what we do matters. Alright, so on today's episode I wanted to cover some of the major trends that are happening in marketing today and I am going to level with you guys. I initially (laughs) recorded this podcast and it was like over an hour long and the reason for that is I was covering every bit of information that I could find around what's going on in marketing, what's new in marketing and I realized you don't care and you shouldn't really care. A lot of it was very tactile. Um, it was really getting into the weeds with it. And I understand that if you're listening to this, you know there's a good chance that you are not as much of a marketing geek as I am. I would like to think that you are, but the reality is is you're running your business and you have that as a focal point. And I also didn't want you to get distracted by the tactics. And often I've said this before in my podcast. You wanna be really smart with your strategies and not just focus on the tactics. Just focusing on the tactics is good, that's you in the trenches, that's you understanding essentially how to lay the bricks to build your house, but it doesn't actually give you any context around what the blueprint should look like when you're building it. And I'm a believer that if you're running a business, whether you own the business or whether you're in a management position, you really need to understand what that blueprint looks like and you need to find other people to lay the bricks for you. So. I'll tell you what I did, that was even better. I took the dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of pieces of information that I was gonna share with you, and I read between the lines, and I came up with three major patterns that I see that are evolving in marketing and what you should be paying attention to for 2021 and looking forward from there. So before I get into it, as with a lot of my podcasts, I'm gonna give you a little bit of context Part of this is just observation, and I'm going to be sharing observation with you. The other part of this is I actually had to do research to do a talk um, with a mastermind group that I run. I run a small marketing mastermind uh in Alberta, which is where the the province I live in and in that mastermind group, we meet with a level of or sorry with a uh, a small group of high level business owners that are always asking themselves how they can continue growing and challenging themselves, especially in the marketing arena. And as we're moving out of 2020, which was definitely an interesting year, we are looking at how do we continue to adapt our business to what's going on in the world. So I was forced to sit down and watch dozens of Seminars and talks and a billion YouTube videos just to to really make sure I had a pulse on what was going on. In addition to what I'm already seeing in the industry, and I follow it pretty closely. I probably listen to a, a marketing podcast at least once every two days, if not every day. And I'm constantly reading a marketing book. I don't think I've gone a last decade without having at least one marketing book on the go. So. I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm I'm in it, but I also don't want to get too lost in the gory details. I want to make sure that I'm making the big decisions right. So with that all being said, let's actually jump into the hours and hours that I distilled down into the three major patterns that I saw. So let's start with pattern number one. The first pattern that I saw was a growing trend in unique personalization through communication. So as we move forward, there's a, there's a lot going on with AI, and AI can be a very, very valuable tool. But unfortunately, a lot of the smaller operators, if you don't have a full coding team, uh, you're probably not going to be using AI. You might be able to purchase it as a software in some cases and use AI, But a lot of us don't have the technical technical acumen to actually pull that off yet. So what that really means is you need to get pretty good at at really looking at and taking care of an individual's needs. And before you tell me, Eric, this is tourism, we already knew that, I'm going to take it to another level. I am going to give you a bit of a a case study, if you will, um, or an example that I like to call the the Taylor Swift marketing method. So I don't know how much you know about Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift, the music star, when she was getting going, she's actually self-built. She wasn't discovered by a talent agency out of the blue and she was just signed a contract. She actually built up her initial fan base through MySpace um, later on with Facebook and YouTube. And it was only when she already had a significant number of fans and a significant following that she built herself that she actually started getting noticed by large record labels. Now the question is, how did she do that? What Taylor Swift consciously did from the beginning is she paid attention to each an individual fan uh, on a level that others wouldn't. So especially on social media, if a fan commented on a picture or a song, she would always comment back, even if she had thousands of comments. Um, she would stop and sign autographs sometimes for hours she would talk to fans and sign autographs and make sure that everyone had been attended to and taken care of there's actually a famous instance where she sat um, for hours and hours a full full day and evening and actually interacted with 3,000 fans each one in person giving them each one a little chat a little talk signing an autograph and Showing them that she cared, that there was attention. Now, some of you might say, is that worth it? Is it worth it to sit and talk to 3,000 people and spend, I think she spent like 17 hours doing it. Now, at the singular level, it might not be worth it. However, because she is focusing on that person, she's communicating to them and just to them through that unique personalization, each of those fans. Becomes a raving fan and tells other people about it. So each of those 3,000 people goes and tells another, well, who knows, 100,000 people maybe um, all together. I shouldn't say each of the 3,000. The 3,000 probably extrapolates out to 100,000. And then those people are talking about Taylor Swift and it extrapolates out to a million. And pretty quickly, that 3,000 all of a sudden is worth it. Now, there comes a point where you can't talk to everybody. So what's the alternative? still in line with the the taylor swift marketing method what taylor swift would do and still does to this day is she will go deep with a few single fans so there's been fans that have asked her if they would go to prom with them and she's done it there's been fans that asked if they would or if she would come and sing at their weddings and she's done it there's been fans that have asked if she would come to a party and she's done it and inherently is that worth it is the cost worth it no however the story that is told from that goes out to first thousands and then tens of thousands and then millions of people see that as a story so the question is if you're operating in tourism how do you take a singular guest maybe one that has been extremely loyal to you or maybe one that you can see you have the ability to impact their life and even though you can't run this with every guest, is there some way that you can go really deep with that individual and really like make their day or their week or their year and the story is something that can be shared um, both by them, them talking about you and becoming a Raven fan and potentially by you as well if you film it and put it out on social media and share what you're doing. Um, That is one way of, of really going deep on the personalization side. So that was trend number one going really deep through unique personalization through communication. Actually, and on that note as well, I'm gonna say that in today's world, one thing I've definitely seen as a trend along with this point number one is that your ability to communicate what you have is more important than what you have, often. Now, I I say that with the caveat that you absolutely want to back up your service, you wanna back up your experience, you want it to be amazing, I'm not saying you, can't, you can you have a crappy experience. What I am saying, though, is that your ability to communicate your experience is going to be the driving factor in whether you're actually getting business or not. It's not the experience itself because there's so much noise out there that if you have two experiences, one might even be slightly better than the other. But if no one has heard about it or no one can hear about it because you don't know how to communicate it, you are not going to be the one that drives the bookings in your door. So... One thing that you absolutely want to focus on coming out of this and you want to take as a lesson from this trend is you need to focus on understanding how to communicate at a more effective level. And within communication, I'm going to say copywriting. So learning copywriting to some degree is going to be a major factor for you and understanding how to talk to people in a way that persuades them to take action. That's good for them. Um, And then also within that, how do you impact people and impact their lives in a positive way so that you are making a deep personal connection with them. Now, this actually ties it ties into pattern number two. So pattern number two that I've seen as an emerging trend is the death of the funnel and the rise of the flywheel. So what does that mean? The death of the funnel and the rise of the flywheel. Well, First of all, I think funnels get a really bad rap because (laughs) if you're selling anything, you have a funnel. Now, whether you were intentional about building that funnel or not is a completely different matter. But I've heard people in the tourism industry talk about how every time they hear the word funnel, they turn off. I don't think that's fair. I believe that that's a misunderstanding of what a funnel actually is. If you have a marketing funnel or a sales funnel, You have had that since the beginning, since the 80s. All that's happened recently is there's been a trend in talking about it and bringing a a different level of efficiency to the funnel. So whether you like it or not, you have a funnel. Um, If you've sold a single tour at any point ever, you have a funnel. Or if you've sold a booking. So that's neither here nor there. Now, where this change comes in, the death of the funnel and the rise of the flywheel, is when you are marketing with a funnel, there is a key metric that we measure in marketing and that is what we call the lifetime value of the guest. So, or in generic terms, the lifetime value of the client. When you're marketing, the way that you market, you have to make sure that you're actually spending an amount of money that is relative to the lifetime value of the client. So what I mean by that, if you're not familiar with this, this term is let's say that the first time that a guest books with you, I'm just gonna use simple numbers so that we understand what we're talking about. Let's say the first time that a guest books with you, um, they are worth $1,000 to you. So they book a $1,000, whether that's a large tour or a, or a booking at your location, it's $1,000. Now, a lot of marketers in the past would say, okay, that that guest books for That time it's a thousand dollars. How much can we spend to acquire that person? Well, on that thousand dollars, maybe we profit 200. So, what we can spend to acquire that person is we can spend, let's say, 150 bucks. We're still making profit, but we're bringing more people in, and more people are talking about it, and we'll still profit. So, that was an old way of thinking. Then, someone came along and said, Well, that guest isn't really worth a thousand dollars to us that guest, if we do a good job and they repeat and they take a look at how many repeat bookings they have, they say, well, this on average, on average, a guest will repeat a book with us twice. So now all of a sudden that person's lifetime value is $2,000. Now, how much can you spend to bring a person in if they're worth $2,000? Well, now you can spend double. So now you could spend, let's say $300 to bring them in the door. Now that's that's the funnel version of looking at this and saying, okay, we can pay let's say $300 to bring a guest in and we'll still profit and uh, that's the lifetime value of the customer and there's still, there's still gonna be profit there. And spending 300 as opposed to 150 means that you can outspend your competitor and still know that you're gonna grow the business and grow the brand and make money. And there's a lot of other reasons why that's worth it and you're not making just the 50 bucks Profit each time they come in. Why well, there's actually more in it than that, but I'm not going to jump into that today. So, what's new now? What's this new concept coming out with the flywheel? Is saying we're not actually looking at just the lifetime value of the customer. We are looking at the customer as the marketing asset. So as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm I'm going gonna, gonna to go and I'm going to spend three hundred dollars to bring a person into my funnel. And then they convert and their lifetime value is $2,000 to us. What we do is we say, if we treated this customer like absolute gold and we asked ourselves, what would we need to do in order to be really confident that 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 customer, in this case, that guest is going to go and talk about us? What would we need to do in order to make sure that that was almost guaranteed to happen, that the guest was going to talk about us because we're creating an amazing experience for them? Let's just say we look at what that would cost and we say it's gonna cost us 500 bucks. Now based on the funnel method and the lifetime value method, that wouldn't be worth it. We'd say we can't spend $500 on this customer because we're not gonna get that money back. With the flywheel method, what we're saying is we it takes a lot of energy in a flywheel in the beginning to get that flywheel going, but once it's going, it takes very little energy to keep it going. So the flywheel method says Yes, there's an upfront cost. Maybe we spend $500 on this guest upfront. But if we do an amazing job, an incredible job, they'll go and tell two other people or three other people about their amazing experience with us. That means that we don't have to pay the $500 in marketing to acquire those other customers. We just focus on the experience with them. So we actually save money if they talk about us. And so the flywheel method says... Forget about looking at your customer as a one-off. Like, oh, we go, we find this customer, we put them in the funnel. Once they're in the funnel and they converted, we go and we look for another customer. The flywheel method says, no, 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 no. Once they're in the funnel, then we continue to wow them throughout that experience, and treat them as a lifetime customer, um, and ex- and continue to to spend money on them as opposed to taking that money and going and looking for a new customer. So this is something I've already talked about in previous episodes, just in different ways, if you guys have been listening and reading between the lines. It's something we've been experimenting with, and we've definitely seen return on investment in those costs. I'm actually, if you're paying attention to this episode, I am really excited to share some numbers with you guys. I can't just yet, because we haven't finalized the numbers on the results of some of the campaigns we ran this year that are unique um we did some some anti-digital campaigns and i want to share those numbers with you guys but we're not quite there yet so if you stay tuned in the next couple of podcasts i'll be sharing with you exactly exactly what happened and i'm not sure exactly what happened yet but i i can pretty much promise you that the results are going to be different than what you might anticipate so i'm looking forward to sharing that that was a side note okay so that was point number two um the death of the funnel and the rise of the flywheel, which says that you want to treat your customer as the marketing asset. You don't want to put money into just what you see as the marketing asset, which is your, your digital often, let's say your digital um, platform. Point number three or pattern number three that I really saw emerging in new marketing and these trends is a real focus on conversion through uh, referral, and within that, conversion through referral, so these all tie together, these are actually all really closely tied together, but conversion through referral, however, that referral is gotten because we're giving status to the person that's referring. So what do I mean by that? I mean that we want to give the the person that's referring us, we wanna give them a reason to refer that makes them look good. So. What's an example of that? An example of that would be uh let's say this. I worked with a resort and in that resort one of the things that we did was we we had a uh we had an option for the person the guest that stayed with us to gift their friend a bottle of wine. No strings attached. They weren't we weren't asking for a sale, we weren't doing anything. Um all we did was have our branding on it. So Um, we would say to them, hey, if you want to gift someone a bottle of wine from us, um, just pick one person, you get one person, and you have to do it by this date. And then we got a list of individuals that they wanted to gift wine to. And then we would send a bottle of wine in one of the resort boxes, and it would come from the resort, and it would say, hey, your friends, they came and stayed with us, and they really enjoyed this wine, and they wanted to share a bottle with you. Now, does that say that this person has to come and book with the resort? No, not at all. But what it does is it puts us as the resort on their radar. So they'll they'll come and they'll look and they'll Google us. Um, and we saw through direct correlation that there was... Um, a number of bookings that absolutely justified doing that campaign. So there was a number of bookings that came through that as a percentage that dictated that we've actually done that again every year since that point because we've always gotten return on investment with that campaign just by people looking us up and saying, oh, this looks like a really cool resort. Uh, and then eventually a number of those come through and make a booking with us. and it doesn't, we're not out there to make ourselves look good. We're out there to make our guests look good. So asking yourself that question, is there anything I can do to make my guests look good uh, that will encourage them to refer either something that we've got? It could be a physical thing or it could be a piece of information. One thing that we just worked on recently and you might have, I might have mentioned this in previous podcasts, was we worked on the ultimate uh, cabin booking checklist. So with that our cabin vacation checklist. So with that came all the items that you would need if you went to the cabin, uh, which included a grocery list and it included a meal plan. So the meal plan and the grocery list and the packing list. And we gave that freely to all of our guests. And we said, hey, if you have any friends that are going on a vacation this year, share this with them. We don't ask them to come and stay with us. We just want them to look good. We want them to be the resource. We don't care whether we're the resource or not. All that we have there is our brand name on it. So from that, we get people that are looking at us and saying, "Oh, well, what's this? What's this resort that this came from?" And that refers individuals back to us. You can go a lot, lot more direct with this. You could say, um, "We haven't done this, but here's an example of what this might look like if you want to go super direct." You could say, "Hey, do you have any friends that you would want a gift?" Uh, a two hundred dollar voucher too for us, and so then you would go to the to let's say your guests or maybe some select guests, your VIP guests, and you'd say, okay, because you're a VIP guest, we want to give you a two hundred dollar voucher to give to one friend. You only have the opportunity to give it to one friend, um, and. You let us know, give us that person's name and we'll send them an email. So they give us a name and then we send them an email that says, hey, just to let you know, um, so-and-so decided to give you a $200 uh, gift certificate to our place. How would you like to use that? That's an example of how you could use this as a referral method. Um, it makes that person look good because it makes it look, we don't say that they didn't pay the $200 for it. They don't have to pay the $200. Um, but it makes it seem like that person gifted a $200 gift certificate to them. And now what are they going to do with it? Well, they have to come and have to book either a tour or a booking with you in order to to make that work. So we're seeing a rise of that kind of referral. Those kind of referrals have always been smart. I'm just seeing more and more of them um, that focus on conversion through this value or status ad referral. Um, Overall, what I wanna leave you guys with is that if you're working big numbers, a lot of you are smaller numbers, but if you're working big numbers, your focus shouldn't be as much just on traffic moving forward, a big part of your focus should be on conversion. And let me explain to you why that's really important. So as opposed to just saying, I just want to get in front of more eyeballs, you want to say, how do I actually book 1% more? And the reason that that's important is because if you look at the average conversion rate from traffic, so again, let me just give you some numbers here to play around with. Let's say that you get I'm going to go with 1,000 again because 1,000 is an easy number to work with. Let's say you get 1,000 visitors to your website. On average, if you get 1,000 visitors to your website, only 2% will actually book in. So if you get 1,000 visitors to your website, you might get, and this is if you're doing well. So this is if you're doing really well, 2% will book in. That's 20 bookings from 1,000 visitors. A lot, a lot of people are actually much lower than that. And Realistically, maybe it's only, let's say it's 1%. Let's say that out of a 1,000 people that look at you, 10 people will book with you. Now, you can go out and you can try and get another 1,000 visitors, and that's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to double your traffic is challenging. Because you're saying, okay, if I want to double my bookings, maybe I have to double my traffic. I have to get another thousand people to come and visit my website. That's really, really hard. However, if you know your conversion rate is 1%, then all you need to do in order to double your bookings is increase your conversion rate by one more percent. So you increase it to 2%. Or if you're at 2%, you increase it to 3%. That's a 30% increase in your revenues. So As opposed to asking yourself, hey, how can I go and get more and more and more traffic? How can I get more eyeballs to see what I've got? If you're going to spend energy on something, and this is actually proven. This was a study that was done by, uh, I'm going to say a a large marketer. So Neil Patel, I don't expect you to know him, but Neil Patel and his team studied 200 businesses that they're involved in. And they looked at what metric is the, the metric that has the highest ROI if you tweak it if you put time and energy and investment into changing it. And far and above anything else was focusing on conversion. So um, focus on that conversion rate. How do you increase conversion? And the way to do it is through the three methods we just talked about. So these three patterns that are emerging, focus on those three patterns. Each one of those will actually focus on or will actually have an impact on your conversion rate. So. That's what I'm going to leave you guys with. How do you increase conversions? Focus on that, and if you already have traffic, don't worry so much about getting more traffic. If you don't have traffic, you got to have tra- you got to have traffic. You got to have people that um, are coming to your website or walking past or however you get traffic. You got to have people um, looking at your stuff in order for them to buy. But if you've already got that, I would say make your next goal to get to a conversion rate of just to get to a conversion rate of 2% or 3%. If you've got a conversion rate of 3%, you're doing better than 99% of the industry. So focus on that. What's what's something I can do to tweak to get that conversion rate just 1% more? Get just one more person out of 100 to to want to book with us. So that's what I'm gonna leave with you guys. And I don't wanna drone on anymore. So that's the end of this podcast. Uh, Really really glad that you took the time to spend with me. I know there's a million other podcasts out there that you could be listening to, but you're listening to this one. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And as always, I want to make sure that I'm giving value to you. If you have questions or feedback, you can always get a hold of me at info info@tourismmanagementacademy.com. At and that's yeah, that's where you get a hold of me. Um, all right, you have a fantastic day, evening, weekend, morning, whatever time it is where you are, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast.